Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'll ask you to turn them to the book of Genesis in chapter number 39. Again, it is good to be back with you here at Riverside Baptist Church, and I, I certainly uh, enjoyed myself very much so at the men's recharge, and I, I appreciate the opportunity, appreciate the invite to be able to preach in that meeting. Um, I believe it was yesterday uh, that, um, boy, all the singing was just absolutely phenomenal, uh, from the congregational singing uh, to the special music, and I wish I would have taken more than just one video, but boy, hearing a, hearing a Fi- over 500 men uh, a cappella singing, uh, and can it be, boy, just got a hold of my heart, amen, and uh, I-, I have sent that video to numerous people, and just how uh, they've responded, and how they were blessed by that good singing as well, and if, if you weren't there, and you like to uh, hear it, I- I've got the video on my phone, I'll show it to you, amen, I've listened to it quite a few times uh, again this morning, and I appreciate all the hard work, I, I-, I know that uh uh, there's all the behind-the-scene work that goes on to put on a meeting like that. And I was just blessed. Uh, folks have asked me this morning, uh, Brother Dallas, how would you sleep last night? Well, I, I slept mighty fine. Amen. I, I appreciate the comfortable room. I, uh, the preacher uh, took me um, out to eat last night after uh, he dropped me off, and him and Miss Marshall went back to the uh, their house to unload the uh, vehicle, and uh, he got cleaned up. I got cleaned up, and we went out to... Uh, was it hoof, hoof and Horn? Is that the name of it? And we, amen. Somebody say amen right there. And we went there, and I, I left there last night and said, boy, I, I don't think I could eat another bite, amen. And so I, I just went in my room and just walked and just sat there on the bed, and I, I FaceTimed Nikita, began to talk to her, and I looked over there on the desk, and there was a gift bag over there, amen. And I, I, I didn't see it when I first walked in, and I said, well, maybe I can eat a little bit, amen. And so I I, I appreciate the Rice Krispie treats, amen. That's my favorite in all the world. And I, whoever did that, I appreciate it very much. I mean, I, church, I appreciate you being so kind to me. I, I don't deserve a bit of it, but thank you for everything that you've done for me. It's been a, it's been a joy uh, to be there at the men's recharge. It's a joy to be here. And, and I love your preacher, amen. I appreciate the good time of fellowship yesterday. I want you to turn your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter number 39. And I, and I, I want to uh, deal with the subject today that every, every single one of us, every single one of us in one shape, form, or fashion, we deal with this subject at hand. And I, I, I want to deal with the subject of temptation today. And from the youngest to the eldest, all of us deal with temptation one way or another. Maybe a young person in school, you deal with the temptation whether or not to cheat on the test or to just have character and study for the test to pass the test. Maybe an employee at work, maybe you're tempted to cheat the time clock or you just have the character to have a good work ethic. Maybe somebody on the sound of my voice, even this week, you've been tempted to sit down and watch TV and something that's not honoring and glorifying to God while it cusses you and your family out, or you just had the character to shut the thing off and maybe just spend a little bit more time with God. Maybe somebody understand my voice, you've been tempted to spend more time in frivolous things that don't matter for eternity's sake, or you just uh, just uh, uh, did something that was spiritual. Maybe somebody understand my voice, I don't know, maybe this Sunday school hour, 
even in the last few days, you've been tempted to go back to that old life and sinful habits, or you just made up your mind that you're going to live a life that brings honor and glory to God. And it's not sin to be tempted. It's natural for us to be tempted. Where the sin lies is when you and I give in to that temptation. And I want to talk to us a little bit about that subject uh, this morning. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 39. And let's look at one verse and then we'll just uh, try to dissect uh, Genesis 39 for a little while this morning in the Sunday school hour. The Bible says in verse number 10, And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph, Now, I want you to look at these next three words. Day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Brother Andrew, would you open us up in prayer this morning, please, sir? Amen. Someone has once said, there are two eternities, a past and a future. Between those two eternities lies a speck called today. Many times we are guilty of living in the past and many times we also look to the future. Yet today the present is the most important time in any of our lives. It's important because today is the only day that we are certain that we have. Boast not thyself of tomorrow for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. It's important because, uh, again, today is the only time that we are certain that we have. I'm alive today, therefore, if I'm going to live for God, I must do so today. I do not have the promise of tomorrow. I do not have the promise of another day to live for Him. I must work the works of Him that sent me, because the night cometh when no man can work. If I'm going to serve God, I should do so today. For tomorrow may never come, stripping me of the chance to ever serve God. That's why this morning, if a, if a person's not saved, then today becomes an urgent opportunity to be saved by the grace of God. There may not be another day in the opportunity to do so. Today is also important because but the Bible describes living the Christian life as a day-by-day proposition. The Bible often speaks of the daily. In Acts chapter 14 and verse number 11, we are reminded of the daily study of God's Word. Uh, we read of the believers at Thessalonica, the Bible says, who search the Scriptures daily. The psalmist gives us a hint of the daily need of prayer when we hear him say, I cry unto thee daily. We also see the daily role of being a a witness and telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 5 and verse number 42, we have the example of that early church and how daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Uh, The author of Hebrews reminds us of the need to exhort one another daily while it is called today. And there's also the need of daily death to self and consecration of our life to the Lord. Jesus said this, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
As well, there's the daily need of worship and the commemoration of the death of Christ. Again, we find in the example of the early church, the Bible says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. We read here in Genesis 39, in the experience of Joseph, we're reminded that temptation is a daily experience. And we must overcome that temptation on a daily basis. As Christians, we must learn what it is to overcome temptation. Again, we face temptation day by day. Therefore, we must learn to overcome it day by day. I, 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 I mentioned a little bit to the men yesterday, but understand men are not the only ones that face temptation. Every single one of us do. And I alluded to a little bit of it yesterday, but I, I, I'll just give the illustration here this morning. I, uh, I, I, uh, I, I tell our folks in our addictions outreach back at home in Lexington, and I set the standard way, way too high. But understand this, there's no difference between our men and ladies that sit in our addictions outreach back in Lexington than there are the difference between the men and women that sit in this auditorium today. My friend, every single one of us are capable of making the same mistakes they have, and every single one of them are capable of living in victory just like you and I are, amen. And I, I set the standard way too high, but I said this. I said if Chris Dallas were to lay down his Bible for 30 days and not open up the Word of God, if Chris Dallas were not to access the throne of grace for 30 days and spend time with God in prayer, if Chris Dallas were not to uh, die to the flesh and be led by the Spirit of God for 30 days, I said Chris Dallas is capable of not only giving in to temptation, but also committing the most heinous crimes of the one that sits in the Kentucky State Prison. You know why? Because, my friend, your flesh, my flesh, its ultimate goal in life is to bring destruction in our life. But thank God, the Spirit of God's ultimate goal is to make us more in the image and likeness of God. And I'd rather live in victory than live in defeat. Amen. We read in, our verse, in the verse here in Genesis 39, and we look at the scene before us from the life of Joseph. And learn how he overcame temptation. I, I, I remember being in a meeting with my preacher. We, I forget where we were at. And our pastor has been pastoring our church there in Lexington, Kentucky uh, for the last 31 years. But the pastor before him was Brother Lewis Arnold that, uh, that uh, uh, when he stepped down from the pastor over 30 years ago, he did not step out of ministry. Matter of fact, he served in evangelism across the country until he was 101 years old. Amen. And I remember Brother Fugit telling me the story of having Brother, uh, uh, Brother Arnold there at the church and uh, preaching on his 100th birthday. And after, after he preached that Sunday morning, they went out to lunch. And as they were at lunch, the preacher began to talk to him. He said, Brother Arnold, he said, as you travel the country at 100 years old, he said, what's the hardest thing that you have to overcome? And but Brother Fugit thought that, bro, that Brother Arnold was going to say, because I'm old and I'm feeble and it's hard for me to get around. And he said, Preacher, he said, the hardest thing for me to overcome traveling the country at 100 years old is this stuff called the flesh that I live in every single day. And can I say, I see some young people. I see some middle-aged people. I see some elderly people here today. But my friend, if a man at 100 years old I still had to find out what he is to fight temptation every single day, you and I are going to have to fight temptation every single day as well. 
So I want us to look at the life of Joseph. First of all, I want us to understand as we read this story about Joseph, number one, every single one of us must face the probability of temptation. Temptation is a fact of life. And we must constantly be aware of the probability and the possibility of being tempted day by day. We are reminded though in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13, uh, there had no temptation taken you but such is common to man. But God is faithful, amen, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. That word common in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse number 13 speaks of that which is human after the manner of man and the characteristic of man. And we find that Joseph was facing a very tempting situation. But I want us to notice some distinct features of the life of Joseph that we see in Genesis 39. Number one, as I read this story about Joseph, number one, I see the golly life of Joseph. The golly life of Joseph. We read that Joseph enjoyed the presence of God in his life. In verse number two, the Bible says... And the Lord was with Joseph. In verse number 3, we see that even his master recognized the presence of the Lord in his life. We read, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. My friend, I'm going to tell you something. I enjoy the presence of God. Amen. And I'm thankful that I don't just have to sense the presence of God when I'm within the four walls of a church building. I'm glad that I sense the presence of God in my motel room. I'm glad that he's omnipresent, my friend. And I can have his presence everywhere I go. I can have his presence on the job site. I can have his presence at home. I can have his presence in my devotions. Can I say, my friend, we need to find out where he is to experience the presence of God even when we're not in the four walls of a church building. Amen. We read, and his master saw the Lord was with him. Joseph also experienced the blessings of God in his life. Verse number two again speaks of how he was a prosperous man. Brother Sam talked a little bit about that yesterday, about, about having that purpose. And that word purpose means uh, pursuing uh, uh, the holiness of God. He was a prosperous man. And in verse number three of how his master noticed that not only was the Lord with him, but look at verse number three of the Bible says that the Lord made all that he did uh, to prosper in his hand. And because the Lord was with him, those around him could recognize that the Lord's presence was upon him. Can I say, my friend, I'm thankful that I'm a Christian. But I don't want the word Christian just to be my title. I want the word Christian to be my testimony. And I want others to be able to say about the life that I live, that boy right there resembles a being Christ-like, amen. Others could see that the Lord was with Joseph. Whatever he put his hand to, the Lord blessed and prospered everything that he did. Young men, I, can I say there's a great group of young men there, and I'm thankful. One thing that was just blessed my heart tremendously about being at the men's recharge is just seeing there's another generation of young men that are coming up and wanting to serve God with all their heart, and I'm thankful for that. But from, the very, from early on in the teenage years of Joseph, his life was marked by separation. It was marked by consecration and dedication. 
Joseph loved God and he lived for God. It's interesting to note the, the, about the life of Joseph that one quarter, 25% of the entire book of Genesis is made up of the account of his life. And there's not one sin or one failure that is featured or recorded about Joseph. Now understand, Joseph was not sinless, but he was spotless before men and clean before God. One commentary said this about the life of Joseph. He said, Joseph is the living example of Philippians 4.8 that says, Finally, brethren, what sort of things are true, what sort of things are honest, what sort of things are just, what sort of things are pure, what sort of things are lovely, what sort of things are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. He also adds this. There's not one scripture who, there's not one in scripture who is more like Christ in his person and experience than Joseph. Amen. Can I say there's still a tear that comes to my eye when I put my hand over my heart and I pledge allegiance to the United States of America. Amen. But can I say what America needs more today is not more patriots, but more of God's people desiring to be more like the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Joseph was a golly man, yet we see this golly man facing a tempting situation. We read that in verse number 7, but it's been said that temptation comes knocking on our door. I guess we could all say as we read the life of Joseph, it came banging on his door. And the situation that Joseph, remind, the situation that Joseph faced reminds us that being a Christian, a good Christian does not minimize us from temptation. F.B. Meyer said this. He said, No thoughtful man who knows his own weakness can ever dare to affirm his immunity from temptation or the possibility of his yielding. If he stands against temptation, it is only by the good grace of God and I believe with all my heart tonight, this morning, I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news. I'm just trying to preach the Bible here. But I believe with all my heart, the closer our walk with God and the greater our usefulness in the hand of God, the greater probability of temptation in our lives. Can I say this morning, you and I, we may try to be a great Christian, but we must still be aware that temptation is a danger. And the greater Christian you are, the greater the danger. We not only see the golly life of Joseph, but we also see, number two, we see the guarded life of Joseph. The guarded life of Joseph. When Potiphar's wife, Joseph carefully guarded his life from tempting situations. When Potiphar's wife asked Joseph to lie with her, we read in verse number eight, the Bible says, but he refused. That word refuse means that he utterly refused. He looked at her and said, no, absolutely not. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 13, 
Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and, and, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That word gird means to protect. It means to guard. And Joseph knew what it was to have a guarded life. There was no thinking about Miss Potiphar's offer. He immediately and point blank said no. And as we shall see from that day forward, Joseph sought to avoid her presence as much as possible. He never dropped his guard for one moment. He knew that if he gave the devil an inch, he would become a ruler. I, I, I remember my wife and I got married back in 2007. And uh, uh, after we went on our honeymoon, we went on. To, we went to uh, uh, to uh, uh, to show up for service there in Jacksonville, North Carolina. I, I talked a little bit about it yesterday, but I remember in that revival, they were having a revival service a week after we uh, got married there, and I, I remember in that revival service a preacher that was greatly used of God, not only across this nation but in my own life. And, and he, he began to talk about some, some things that he's guarded his life from. And for instance, he never had a TV in the home. And he said when he traveled across the country, if he was ever in a motel room by himself, he would never turn that television on. And I remember as I went down to an old-fashioned altar and I began to put some protection and begin to get some principles and some convictions about my own life, I, I made my mind up and I, I, and I made a commitment to God and a vow to God uh, that week at that altar that if I was ever in a motel room or if I was ever at home by myself, I, I would never turn the television on uh, by myself. And can I say I'm glad from that day for these last 15 years, if I'm ever in a motel room or in a house by myself, I'd never turn the television on. Can I say I don't do that? that because I'm holier than thou. I do that because my flesh is wicked. It's vile. It's sinful. And I want some guards in my life. Amen. I know what my weaknesses are. More importantly, the devil knows what my weaknesses are and what my shortcomings are. And my friend, I want to bring honor and glory to my God instead of a shame and reproach. Amen. He, he knew what it was to have a guarded life. Joseph never dropped his guard for one moment. Joseph knew that if he gave the devil an inch, the devil would then become a ruler. And as Christians, we must ever be on guard. We could not let down our guard for one moment. Child of God, there can be no negotiating. There can be no compromise with sin. You play with fire and you will get burned. And we must continually and constantly be on guard. Day by day, we must face the probability of temptation. Not only, number one, must we face the probability of temptation, but number two, we read from the life of Joseph that he learned what it was to fight the power over temptation. The advances of Miss Potiphar was more than a one-time event. We read in verse number 10, it was day by day. She made the same suggestion to Joseph. That word spake means to arrange, and at times it's used as a command. If it, it is possible that she arranged that she and Joseph's path would cross, it's even possible that her offer was more than a suggestion. It may have been a command. Can I say this morning as I learned from Joseph, 
If you or I think the devil is going to tuck, tail, and run just because you refuse his temptation one time, we are a fool this morning, my friend. He's going to come day by day by day, and that's why we must find out what he is. Again, to be filled with the Spirit of God and not be led by the flesh. Amen. First of all, I noticed the principles that were abiding in Joseph's life. Joseph was a man of principles and convictions. We find that principles are a rule of conduct. And there were certain rules and a code that Joseph lived by. What were these principles? Well, first of all, we see that he was a person of moral principles. Look at verse number 8 and 9 with me. Look at verse number 8 and 9. He was a man of moral principles. Genesis 39, verse number 8 and 9. The Bible says, but he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he had to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. Joseph was a man of moral principles. He begins to think of how good his master had been to him. The position and the privileges that he begins to enjoy, uh, enjoy because of his master's kindness. And to yield to her offer would be a violation of the trust that he had been given. She was his wife. How could he even think of doing such a thing? He saw such a thing as being morally wrong. Can I say what America needs is some men and some women to have some moral principles in their life. Amen. My dad, and I know that I'm biased because he's my daddy. But boy, he's the hardest working man I've ever met in my life. He worked for the same company for over 40 years. And he drove four and a half million miles as a truck driver across this nation. For the last 25 years, he drove from Memphis to Houston every other day. And I, I can say this now because he's retired, amen, but... My dad, my dad was, uh, was, was a part of the Teamsters Union. And, boy, they're staunch and they're in, 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 in all that. They, they are, my dad, wasn't they, they were staunch in all their Teamster and Union rules and all those kind of things. But I remember, I remember as a young boy when my daddy, when those men would strike for higher wages and better insurance and all those things, and they would, they would have their signs and they would go across those picket lines I remember my dad wouldn't get out there and strike. Matter of fact, he'd go get him a part-time job while everybody else was striking. He said, those men hired me to do a job, and they told me what they were going to pay me. He said, they never raised my wage, or they never give me better insurance. He said, I'm still committed to work for them. I'm not going to go out there and strike. Can I say that's a man of moral principles, amen? Can, we be, can I say this morning, we, if you're getting a, a, an hourly wage to, uh, to work at a job, and, and, uh, and you, uh, uh, you're supposed to work eight or ten or 12 hours a day. Can I say you ought to be a man of, uh, of ethics and find out what it is to do exactly what you signed up to do. Amen. And for God's dear sake, would somebody please go put in an application at McDonald's so I can get through the drive through a little bit quicker. Amen. Amen. Furthermore, he was a man of spiritual principles. He adds in verse number 9, he said this, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That word wickedness speaks of the breaking down of that which is right. For Joseph to yield to Potiphar's wife advances 
would have been a violation of God's laws. He was not only concerned about his master, but he was more concerned about his God. You understand, it would have been a a sin to have yielded to her uh, proposition. It would not only have been morally wrong, but spiritually wrong. And Joseph knew what it was to draw a line in the sand and said, I'm not crossing that line. And there were certain things that he had settled in his heart about what he would do and where he would go. He had determined that he would not cross that line. It's been well said of this. If you don't make up your mind, your unmade mind will unmake you. And the victory over temptation is mostly won before the temptation ever comes. Amen. Jesus even told those disciples... He said, when you pray, he said, pray, uh, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And he began to even go ahead and tell those disciples. He said, even pray this prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Amen. You know why? Because he knew that temptation would come in their life. But if you alive, we'll find out what it is to spend time with God in this Bible and let this Bible be a lamp on our feet and a light on our path. And we'll find out what it is not to be led by the flesh, but to be led by the Spirit, when temptation comes, we'll have the victory to fight that temptation. Amen. Not only the principles that were abiding in his life, but I also see the procedures that were adopted in his life. Because of his principles, when confronted with the tempting situation, Joseph reacted and responded in a certain way. For one thing, we find that he refused her propositions. We noticed earlier in verse number 7 and 8, the Bible says that he refused. In verse number 10, we read that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, the Christians should learn to say no. It will be of more use to them than to be able to even read Latin. We must learn to say no to temptation. We also see that he not only refused her propositions, but he ran from her presence. Verse number 10 tells us that he not only refused to listen to her, but he also attempted to avoid being with her. He did everything in his power and ability to avoid placing himself in a tempting situation. Child of God, if there are certain things or certain places or certain people that tempt us, then we must learn to avoid them at all cost. We cannot put ourselves in the face of temptation and not be affected. Verse number 11 and 12 tells us that Joseph got out of that house as quickly as he could. He ran from that tempting situation. And if, we're, if we are going to win the daily fight with temptation, we must have the same principles as Joseph and follow the same procedures that he did. Not only as I read this story do I see that I must understand and face the probability of temptation. I'm glad that I'm given instruction to learn how to fight the power of temptation. But third of all, as I read not about the life of Joseph but about others in that Bible, and as I've been saved now these last 23 years and been in evangelism these last 15 years, can I say number three as I've watched lives time and time again, I've seen a many, Brother Andrew, I've seen a many. They started out right, but a lot of them hadn't finished right. Can I say number three? 
maybe most importantly in my life, I fear the price of temptation, of giving in a temptation. Can we all be reminded there are always consequences to yielding to temptation. And payday is not always on Friday, but payday is coming. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. There's always a price to pay. And in Joseph's case, there were consequences for him even not yielding to temptation. We read that in verse number 13 through 20. Yet it cost Joseph for not yielding. But I submit to you, it would have cost him a whole lot more if he would have yielded. First of all, there would have been spiritual consequences. Joseph, yes, he ended up in prison. But we read in verse number 21, even though he was in prison, the Bible says, but the Lord was with Joseph. If Joseph had yielded, it would have cost him the presence and the blessings of the Lord in his life. One had said it like this, Joseph lost a coat, but if you would have given in to the proposition, he would have lost God's favor. And before you and I yield to temptation, we need to ask ourselves, is it worth losing God's blessings and His presence in our life. And the yield of temptation is always very costly, especially when we consider the loss of God's blessings. As Samson, if yielding to temptation was worth it. The Bible says in Judges chapter 6, verse number 20 about uh, Samson, he yielded, but in so doing, he wished not the Lord had departed from him. You understand? He feared the price of temptation, not only spiritual consequences, but number two, Think about the social consequences that come along with giving in a temptation. Look at verse number 21. The Bible says this, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Joseph had not lost his testimony and his influence. If he had yielded, his testimony would have been scarred and marred. When we think of the shame that often goes with yielding to certain temptations, we must ask ourselves, is it worth the cost? Can we be reminded, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are today, somebody's watching us. And my friend, if you and I give it to that temptation that the devil throws at us day by day, Somebody's going to fall along the way. Brother Marshall and I were talking about this on our way to supper last night, and we were talking about the blessings of God. He was beginning to tell me about Miss Marshall leading her or her, her dad getting saved right at uh, right at uh, in January, and I'm thankful for that. Boy, I praise God for that. Brother Marshall was telling the story about how his dad, uh, how he was able to lead his dad to the Lord. And I was able to do the same thing about six or seven months ago. And I remember my dad was having a surgery there in Memphis, and I made the arrangements to be there for surgery and to stay there and help my mama a few days after surgery. And I remember we were there 
uh, uh, one day, and we were there at the house by ourselves. And I, I'd always, as a matter of fact, I'd always uh, question my mom's salvation. I always thought my dad had it settled, and I was able to get my mom was able to share a, a, just a really good uh, testimony of her salvation after the fact. But I remember being there with my dad one day, and he began to tell me. He said, "Chris, he said, I know that I've." told you and Kim and Stephanie and your mom, I, I know I've told y'all all these years that I'm saved. He said, but Chris, and I'm just telling you what he said. I hope that you see my heart when I say this. He said, but Chris, he said, I see the life that you've lived these last over 20 years and since God saved you and how God changed your life around. And he said, Chris, in all reality, he said, all I've ever had was a profession. I've never had a possession like you. He said, Chris, he said, if you'll tell me one more time how I can be saved, he said, I'm ready to get it settled right here, right now. And could I say in that same living room one, uh, over 23 years ago where my dad told me this is no longer your house and we're no longer your parents. He said, we've already signed a restraining order against you where you can't even come within 100 yards of the house. was the same place where I was able to take a Bible and show my dad about the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and he got saved. Amen. Can I tell you, my friend, if I, you, you, you understand, just because I'm a preacher of the Word of God, just because I'm a child of God trying to serve God with my life does not mean temptation is not coming in my life. It comes in all of our life. But my friend, I don't want to give in a temptation because somebody is watching. Amen. And child of God, we can, we must fear the price of temptation. The reality is temptation will come to all of us. It'll come with many faces. It will come with many offers. And some of them may even get close to what it would take for some to give in. Yet we must never forget what the real price will be if we yield. Day by day, we must win the battle with temptation. I ask you this morning, where do you stand? Do you need help this morning with the matter of overcoming temptation? I'm glad to testify, hallelujah, as I read in my Bible, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. And I'm glad that he's given us the victory over temptation. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the precious Word of God. I, I thank you for the instruction book called the Bible. Lord, when we don't have all the answers to all of life's questions, I'm glad that I hold a book in my hand that has all the answers to all of life's questions. Lord, I pray, Lord, that I was a help in this Sunday school hour. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd be in the services to come. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to hearts, Lord, Lord like you can. And do a work that only you can do. Encourage the discouraged. Lift up the brokenhearted. Lord, most of all, if there would be anybody lost in this service to come, I pray that you'd save them by the good grace of God. And we'll thank you for it. In your name I pray. Amen.